Boom Blast. And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up On Blast post-game show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop. 2013 Danforth Avenue in the East End of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. As a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointment now. Thank you very much, Raptors fans, for tuning in. This is game 82 of the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. And thank you guys for joining me. Last week, I was a little sick under the weather. I was like out of commission for like two days. So apologies for missing one of the games. But hey, sometimes the body, you got to listen to your body, right? Body was telling you to slow down a bit. Had to take a break. But glad to be back here. This was game number 82. And the Toronto Raptors, there's a lot of ways to look at this. I mean, this was an ugly game, but Raptors win against the T-Wolves 120 to 100. I'm going to shout out to the people tuning in live on Twitter, as you have been each and every game all seasons long on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Shout to you guys listening live. Same thing goes to the people on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Both of those places, you can send in your questions and comments, and we'll get to those on the show as always. Also, if you can't listen live, huge shouts to the people that tune into the podcast. Just search On Blast Podcast whether you're going to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course YouTube. Shouts to all those people listening there. Shouts to the YouTube community, the people keeping that chat room going, because it is a lot of fun. But again, tuned in to talk about what happened with this game, but more so the entire Raptor season. Because Game 82, Raptors win 120 to 100. And I will take a second to say this. Andrew Wiggins... Carl Anthony Towns, and the entire Minnesota Timberwolves organization should be ashamed of themselves. That team is an embarrassment. Andrew Wiggins and Cat should be ashamed. Jimmy Butler left you. You blame Jimmy Butler. Tibbs was there. Maybe Tibbs was too tough on you guys. I don't know. But there's no way that a Carl Anthony Towns team and an Andrew Wiggins team should be this terrible and not even close to the playoffs. That's unacceptable. Just terrible. But beyond that, let's get to a team that's not terrible. That is the Toronto Raptors, who win again. And let's be serious. Raptors improved, well, they finished the season, sorry, at 58 and 24. 58 and 24. Last year, Raptors won 59 games. This year, Kawhi Leonard missed, what, 22 games? Kyle Lowry also missed 20 plus games. And you're still talking about a team that won one less game than last season. Raptors also finished with a franchise record, 25, 26 wins on the road, 26 and 15 on the road. They also have the most wins against the Western Conference of any Eastern Conference team with 22 wins, by the way. Most wins, again, by any Eastern Conference team in the past six years. And that team was the Miami Heat Big Three, i.e. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. Raptors finished with the second best record in the entire NBA and would secure home court advantage if they did make it to the NBA Finals. This season, when you go back, and I'm talking about the LeBronto times, and you remember how devastated the entire city was when LeBron just did what LeBron continued to do to the Raptors over and over again. You think about how that offseason played out. You're thinking about what happened to Dwayne Casey, the hiring of Nick Nurse, the trading of DeMar DeRozan, the handling of the Kawhi Leonard situation, which seems like so long ago now. But just remember some of the talking points that a lot of the U.S. media was trying to bring up at the time in terms of no way Kawhi is going to even come to Toronto, no way Kawhi is even going to play in Toronto, all of these things that had people terrified when Masai pulled the trigger on that deal to trade away DeMar DeRozan. And now look, the season ends, and this team is in a position to make a deep run in the playoffs. And all I've said the entire time, 
from the very beginning is to enjoy this season because who knows what's going to happen in the offseason. I don't know. People are going to try to sway you one way or the other, but who know? like, do, do you know anything about Kawhi Leonard? Do you feel like we've learned anything about Kawhi Leonard throughout this season to know whether he's going to stay or go? I have no idea, but that's why it's so important to enjoy this season of Toronto basketball. It's funny, before I left work today, we were going through just past teams of the Toronto Raptors and teams that, you know, as fans, as growing up in the fan base, teams that you might have fallen for, teams that like, you know, it mattered so much what happened to TJ Ford, (laughs) right? (laughs) TJ Ford getting hurt, shattered a season. Jorge Garbajosa, shattered a season. Like names like that. And then now you look at this team and think about where this team can go over the next month, two months, hopefully into June. It's crazy. But what a year. Nick Nurse has done a great job. Kawhi Leonard, when he's played. And hey, the load management thing, people can argue about it one way or the other. Bottom line is, as he said, as a man told you, 82 practices, playoffs is when he's going to lace them up. You just had to get to this point. And here we are. I've been saying it all year. What a time to be alive if you're a Raptor. A great season for the Toronto Raptors. And this game was trash. Let's be serious. The whole purpose of this game was just to not get hurt. So no Kyle Lowry, no Serge Ibaka. If you go to the, the bummy Timberwolves, and I'm being harsh on the Timberwolves on purpose because, again, it's inexcusable, the season that the T-Wolves had. But no Carl Anthony Towns, no D-Rose, no Covington, no Jeff Teague. And Jamans Wiggins, I mean, he was he was playing hard in the beginning of the game. It looked like anyways, I don't know. Finishes with 16 points on 7 of 17 shooting. It's funny, I saw the clips. They're asking Wiggins about playing on Team Canada this year, and it's just like, yeah, of course. Like, Canada's not really in, like, it sounds weird to say, as Team Canada, you're not in a position to turn away Andrew Wiggins. But at the same time, <laughs> Do you really need Andrew Wiggins? I don't know. It's interesting, right? It's interesting. Like that, I can't stress enough how much of a disappointment that team is. But it's also a reminder. I'll say this about the T-Wolves, but also say about what's going on with Magic Johnson and the Lakers. Man, do not take this Raptors season for granted. Enjoy this moment because things can flip very quickly. So enjoy this ride. In terms of the Raptors, again, they win 120 to 100. In this game, Kawhi Leonard, this looked like a gym run for Kawhi, finished with 20 points on 8 of 14 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. Kawhi was basically just, you know, coasting out there. But that's all the Raptors needed in this game. Siakam finished with only 10 points. But this game, to me, was cool to see a guy like Chris Boucher get out there in the NBA in an NBA game in, like, the first quarter and get some extended minutes. He played 25 minutes in this game. 15 points, 13 rebounds, 2 assists, 7 of 10 shooting. That's cool to see. It's a guy that had a great season, obviously, in the G League, G League MVP, G League Defensive Player of the Year. So to see him get some burn, to get some confidence... It's pretty cool. It's cool to see the Raptors bench, which was filled with their starters, but it was cool to see them get hype for Boucher. Boucher was making some crazy plays because he's so long and athletic. The way that he was able to get out, contest a shot, he blocked it, kept it in bounds, then took it coast to coast for the lay-in. It's kind of scary. As that kid continues to develop, wow. Wow, 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 indeed. But anyways, the Toronto Raptors... I feel like this is a time to kind of look at the entire season of what this what this whole thing meant. If you're a Raptor fan and you were kind of worried about, you know, how's Nick Nurse going to do? How's Kawhi going to fit in? Is Danny Green healthy? All of these things were talking points heading into the season. Was Kyle going to stay healthy? All of these things. And yet here we are. Everything's pretty cool. Let's get to some comments. I want to know what you guys think. What's your biggest takeaway from this season? What's the biggest, you know, surprise? I guess that has to be Pascal Siakam, the glow up. There's just so many positives to come out of this regular season. And I know we're going to say that the only thing that matters is the playoffs, which is true to an extent. 
But at the same time, you got to trust your GM, trust your front office, see the development of what they're doing with 905. This organization is in a really, really, really good place with a chance, again, to make a deep run. But I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you guys think of this season, what stuck out to you the most, what you're happiest about. At the end of the day, too, the first round matchups aren't set yet. But the playoff scenarios, okay? Obviously, the Raptors are in second place. They've been in second place for a long time. First round matchup, they will play the Pistons if tomorrow night, as in Wednesday, the Nets win and the Magic lose, but the Pistons win, the Raptors will be playing the Pistons. Also, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I just think that the Pistons are in a position where they're going to drop down and, you know, I can't see the Pistons pulling this off. It would just be too crazy how the end of this season has gone for Detroit if they're able to somehow still manage to stay in seventh place or to get to seventh place after dropping so many games. To me, that would be super crazy. But let's go through this. So the Raptors will play Detroit if the Nets win, Magic lose, and the Pistons win. Okay, the Raptors will play Brooklyn if the Nets lose, unless all three lose. <laughs> but this, I think, will be the most likely scenario, okay? If the Raptors will play Orlando, if the Nets and Magic both win, or the Magic and Pistons both lose. <laughs> That's way too convoluted. It's way too crazy still. And you know what I'll say at the end of the day? Doesn't matter. The Raptors will take down any of these teams in like five games. Now, you probably would rather face, we went through this, there's a video we posted online on a bunch of different platforms earlier, is me and Bellamo talking about who we'd rather face if we were the Toronto Raptors. And I think we both settled on Orlando, just because, to me, if you ask me, the Pistons, I mean, Blake Griffin is hurt, and that would definitely be a huge blow to that team, whoever ends up playing the Pistons. But at the same point, in the NBA, in the playoffs, it comes down to star power. The reason why people are superstars is because they show up night in, night out, and that's what you depend on in the playoffs. Now, D'Angelo Russell might not be a superstar, but he's proving himself to at least be on his way to that realm. The other thing with the Nets is the way that they play, it's so up and down, it's so fast-paced, they shoot so many threes, it's just going to be a pesky series, right? Like, they can always shoot threes and stay in games. They can get hot. They got a bunch of guys that can get hot. The Magic, to me, they have good pieces. They can be a super long and athletic team. You got Isaac, obviously, all over the place. You got Aaron Gordon all over the place. But to me, there's too many pieces that need to play above their heads for them to beat the Raptors in four games. I just don't see that happening. Like, for example, they would need Terrence Ross to be really, really good in the playoffs. I don't know if that's a thing that I'd be wanting to bank on if I were a fan base or an organization. So I'm not really worried about the first round, to be honest. But at the same time, what I will pay attention to in the first round is how quickly the Raptors do away with this team. Whoever they end up playing. Again, if it's more than six games... This is just not a good look. Doesn't mean that they're not making it to the finals. It just means it's not a good look. But I feel like this team, with the vets that they have, that they will value the time off if you get rid of a team quickly. But also, they can win on the road. They're not afraid of winning on the road. So, to me, I want to see how this first round goes down. Remember, post-Raptors teams or previous Raptors teams, you have to worry about things like, can they win game one? Can they win on the road? Those are things that I'm not really worried about with this team. I feel like Kawhi, as we said, is going to lace them up, and it's time to get busy. It's time to get buckets. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he had an exceptional season for the Toronto Raptors. And I know people are probably mad at the load management. They're going to be rattled by the fact that he only played 60 games for the team. But when he played, he balled out. And I will say this as well. There are enough minutes there, there are enough moments this season to where Kawhi Leonard 
has, when you look back, he had game-winning shots. That moment where he stole the ball off DeMar DeRozan at midcourt and then took it for the game-winning dunk. Like, there were enough things this season that we saw from Kawhi Leonard that he, he was as advertised. Now, in the playoffs, in the postseason, I can't wait. I'm giddy. <laughs> I'm actually giddy. I can't wait to see what Kawhi Leonard is going to do in the playoffs. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so crazy because just look at the different moments throughout the year. Like, I always keep pointing back to what Kawhi Leonard did to Ben Simmons in the games that the Raptors played against the Sixers. He made him look like a little kid playing against, like, NBA players. The way that he was stealing the ball off of Ben Simmons at half court. It was just straight disrespect. That Kawhi Leonard, that Danny Green, that Pascal playing lockdown defense, that's three lockdown defenders. Then add in Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol and Serge coming off your bench. That's why I believe this team is going to do well in the playoffs. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, let's see what people are saying, though, because... I want to hear from you guys what you guys think of not only this game, but the Raptors season as a whole as we wrap up this Wrap It Up podcast for the season. I mean, I also want to say, too, if you guys have any comments about the show that we did, it was just an idea, it was just something to throw out, and it's something that I enjoy doing in terms of doing a post-game show. So let me know what you guys think, whether you enjoyed it, um, whether it's something we should continue next year. We're definitely going to do it for the playoffs. Got a bunch of different things that, I mean, I can't, confirm yet but we could be working on some things for the playoffs we'll definitely be here for the playoffs on the wrap it up podcast but in terms of next season let me know what you guys think if you is this something you enjoyed we'll definitely bring it back for sure but let's get to some comments here i'll start on twitter someone says boucher out here looking like siakam last year that's interesting and you know, we we anticipated that Pascal Siakam would have a good year. Again, go back to one of our early podcasts. I want to say around like game two or three, but Mike was telling you Siakam's going to have a monster year. Ola was telling you about the Rico Hines runs in the offseason and the work that Siakam was putting in. That's from early on this season. We were talking about that on this podcast. Now, Nick Nurse says himself, he thought Siakam would have a, a breakout year, but he didn't think it would come that early. He thought that maybe Siakam would establish himself around the All-Star break or sometime in the new year. That's where the blow-up would come. He didn't expect it to come that soon. But instead, Siakam just, he's established himself as by far being the number two option on this team. And part of the reason for that is the way that the Raptors handled the load management with Kawhi Leonard. Those load management games forced Pascal Siakam into taking more shots and allowed him to gain more confidence. And it's the guy that you're seeing right now where he's not turning down any shots. He's not thinking twice. If he's open, he's shooting that jump shot. We know he's fast enough to blow by a lot of bigs. We know that he has a little bit of post moves. He can do some work in the paint. But as that jump shot developed, as he's become stronger with that shot, it's a scary, scary sight. We know about the defense. We know about the hustle. But if that jump shot is falling, because that's what you figure teams are going to do, right? They're going to try to focus in on Kawhi. They're going to try to slow the game down, double Kawhi. And the Raptors are going to be forced to move the ball. And you're going to see a bit where Siakam's, they're going to dare Siakam to shoot. And the way that it's looking lately, it's going to be a bad move if you're daring Siakam to shoot. Because not only is he going to take the three, but he'll make it. Again, we got to point out, the Raptors' shooting numbers, especially since adding Marc Gasol, they've made a jump, and they've been the top three-point shooting team in the NBA since the Marc Gasol trade. That's crazy. Not only is Siakam's three-point shooting improved, but you've seen Danny, uh, an uptick in Danny Green's numbers, an uptick in Kyle Lowry's numbers, same with Kawhi. And why is that? It's ball movement. So now you're having good shooters shooting open three-point jump shots. And that's just wet when you, you're talking about guys like Danny Green. I'm surprised now when Danny Green misses a three-pointer. And that's pretty unfair to say. <laughs> but when Danny Green misses, I'm surprised. That's the ball movement you see from the Raptors. That's also the trust you're seeing that these guys now have from playing with the, each other. And I mean, especially since Gasol came, but that trust factor that 
you can give up the ball because you're going to get it back. Trust the offense. Trust the ball movement. And trust that your teammate is also going to pass up a good shot to get someone else a great shot. That's the offense we're seeing now from the Raptors. And if that goes into the playoffs, it won't just be the first round we're talking about in terms of ending in five games. I want to talk a bit about, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead in terms of talking about the Sixers at all, but I found it interesting. I was listening to the guys at the Ringer, and they were talking about how most of the national media is talking about the Sixers in terms of, oh, they're going to make a great run, look at their roster, but they were talking about how they were talking about it all based off of what's on paper. And on paper, the Sixers team, especially that starting lineup, looks great. But they were saying as fans of the Sixers and watching them night in, night out, the pieces still don't really fit. You cannot say the same thing about the Toronto Raptors. Now, I know there's a full series until before we get there, but I'm just saying, I feel really good about this Raptors team, and this isn't some Homer stuff. This isn't like I'm out here, you know, boosting just because as a Raptor fan or boosting for the company or anything like that. Because if you go back to last year and listen to last year's podcast, I was the one out here telling y'all the Raptors... They're not beating the Cavs. I was saying from last year, for the Raptors, I need to see the Raptors beat the Cavs for me to believe that that was going to be a thing. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that they could beat LeBron James because they didn't believe that they could beat LeBron James. Or at least those were the vibes that I was getting from Kyle and DeMar. This team's just different. Again, last year, Fred Van Fleet, the third most important Raptor. Remember, go back to that series in the playoffs against the Wizards. Raptors won the first two games. Then they went to Washington. They lost the next two. If you remember, at that point, Stephen A. Smith went on his show and was reporting that he was in the Raptors locker room postgame, asked Kyle and DeMar what was going on, and they weren't worried at all, but they pointed at Fred Van Fleet, who wasn't playing, and they said, we need that guy. Fred Van Fleet was the third most important Raptor on that team last year. And Kyle Lowry was probably the most important, but at worst, the second most important. Now fast forward to this year. Is Kyle Lowry the most important Raptor? No, it's probably Kawhi. Is he second? Maybe, but it's probably Siakam at this point. And now, if you even go, go back, I would even say... You know, Kyle's probably right there, but that that tandem of the Serge Ibaka, the Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol center tandem, especially against the Sixers, that matchup's going to be very important. But you now can hide Kyle Lowry on defense, allow him to sit in the in the passing lanes and sit in the charge lanes because you have Danny Green and Kawhi out here guarding up. That's not something the Raptors had in past years, right? They had to have Norm or OG or someone like that out there, some young buck out there trying to guard Giannis or trying to guard LeBron. That's not happening anymore. This is a totally different team, and I can't wait. Uh, someone's asking, hopefully Danny Green didn't hurt that ankle. Uh, Danny Green already, I mean, the past few games, Nurse has been doing a good job down the stretch in terms of limiting Danny Green's minutes. I mean, tonight obviously is probably pretty easy to limit his minutes to 24 a game. But at the same time, those guys are vets. And the big thing is trust. Even when Danny Green hurt his thumb, his left thumb that game where he was shooting like crazy from deep, he seemed okay, kept playing. It was his left thumb. And at a certain point with vets, you trust them. You got to take their word on it. If they tell you they're okay, especially at this point, they know what the goals are. They know the goals are more important than what's going on right now. So they don't want to put that in jeopardy just as much as Nick Nurse would want to put that in jeopardy, right? So that's where the trust comes from. Let's get some comments here on Instagram. Tons of people on the Instagram chat. Again, shouts to the people tuning in live on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, live on Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander. Uh, taking your questions and comments, for sure. Uh, someone named... Someone on Instagram says, finals, here we come, all in caps. I'll be honest, I've been saying it for a while. I do believe the Raptors are going to the finals. Not hyperbole, 
not gas. I just think they have the experience. They play defense. And they play well on the road. That's a good recipe for success. And in most series against... In most series, they walk in with the best player in the entire Eastern Conference. Giannis is the only one that's going to say something to Kawhi, right? Other than that, you're walking in the building with the best player. And you have veteran presence, which the Milwaukee Bucks don't really have. And the Sixers, you know, I like the chances of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, more comments, though, on Instagram. If Boucher hits the weights next year, he could be a great piece for the Raptors next year. Glad you're feeling better now. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, someone here also trying to call me Sheldon Load Management. <laughs> I appreciate that as well. Uh, Boucher, yeah, it's interesting. But again, the beauty of what's happened with Chris Boucher is that you can just trust that the organization is going to bring him along at the right pace. We might not have known that Siakam was going to be Siakam, but they had a feeling because they were preparing him for this opportunity with the load management. They felt comfortable enough to do this load management stuff because of the progression that Siakam was making, because of the work that he put in in the offseason. And what I mean by trusting the organization, the same thing with Fred Van Fleet. Remember, the work that Freddie did in the then G League, or the D League at that time, whatever it was called, but the work that Freddie did that year allowed them to get rid of Corey Joseph because they knew Freddie was ready. I didn't mean to rhyme that. That was terrible. I apologize. But the point remains. What they did with their young bucks, even if you go back to Pirtle, even if you go back to DeLon Wright, those guys became assets which allowed you to make trades, to bring in a Marcus Gasol, to bring in a Kawhi Leonard, to surround Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam, who are now key contributors on a team with NBA Finals aspirations. That is great work by your organization. More comments, though. Let's see. What do we got here on Instagram? Someone says, thank God nobody got hurt. Totally agree, of course. Another comment, James says, I miss your podcast, dude. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Glad to be back. Hopefully you'll tune into the playoffs. We got some things planned. Uh, so follow me on the social medias because I'll tweet that out when I'm able to confirm what's going on. But at some point, we will, we will talk about that as, as well. Another person saying, were you on load management? I was waiting for your podcast. I was sick. Apologies. Um, allergies, man. Allergies. What can you do? Uh, Alex says, clinch the second best record in the NBA. Important for a team with finals aspirations, especially for playing Golden State. Agreed. And I mean, <laughs> one of my boys, Timmy Heggs, at work today, it was funny. He, he was saying... They should try to win this game because if you got to the finals and then you're in game seven and game seven's on the road because of this last game against Minnesota, we're going to feel pretty bad. And in all honesty, I said to him, you know what? If we fast forward to us standing here on the brink of game seven, I don't even know what I'd be feeling, much less to think about going back to what happened in Minnesota, do you know how many crazy things at moments would be happening between now and a potential Game 7 in the NBA Finals? I can't even fathom that. And also, to put all that pressure onto this game, when clearly load management and Kyle Lowry and West and DeMar, or DeMar, and uh, Kawhi Leonard's load management for the whole year, to put all that pressure on just this one game, when clearly from the outset, the Raptors' whole plan was to not worry too much about seeding or where they stood in the regular season. It's kind of unfair. But at the end of the day, as Glow Girl Smile says, kudos to Nick Nurse for managing the Raptors' roster with so many lineup changes. Because no matter what was thrown at Nick Nurse, I'm not sure what the final stat ended up being, but I want to say it was 23 different starting lineups the Raptors used this year. And they won 58 games. That is crazy. The second best record in the NBA? That's crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. If you take the best player off of any team for 20 games, and then arguably their third best player in Kyle Lowry for another 20 games, then Freddie missed a chunk, JV missed a chunk with injuries. 
like it's ridiculous what the Raptors were able to accomplish. And then when you see them at their peak powers, which we saw a bit over the past couple games, it's scary, man. It's scary. Uh, someone saying Nick Nurse for Coach of the Year. I don't know about that. There's a lot of other crazy storylines. What I would say, though, is I might give, like, Masai's got to be up there for Executive of the Year. Like, don't get me wrong. Nick Nurse did an incredible job. Don't get me wrong. But I will say what Masai Jerry did with this team, to have the balls to say, I'm going to get rid of the coach who just won Coach of the Year and replace him with his assistant, to have the balls to get rid of arguably like the biggest face of the franchise in franchise history in DeMar DeRozan, that takes a lot of cojones. And Masai did that. He rolled the dice. And then still doubled down on that and brought in Marc Gasol at the deadline. That's a lot of turnover to make for one year. And again, 58-win season. Crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, the countdown. Someone's counting it. 16 wins till dot, dot, dot. Uh, I want to get to this as well. Someone says Wiggins is a disappointment. I can't disagree with that at all. That is a pathetic season by the Minnesota Timberwolves and Andrew Webster. Andrew Webster, wow. <laughs> My bad. I didn't mean to call what Andrew Webster a disappointment. I meant, oh, wow. Wow. I can't believe I just did that. Wiggins is what I meant to say. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, not Andrew Webster, who happens to be the co-host of the Ball Out Blast podcast. I'll be doing that podcast tomorrow with Andrew Webster. We will do a preview of the NBA playoffs. But in terms of Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> he has been a disappointment this season. And I keep going back to the story that I forget who the writer was. I can't remember who the writer was. But at the time when Wiggins signed the deal, it was reported that the owner of the Timberwolves had to look him in the eye and ask him, demand from him that he was going to give out full effort before he gave him the max. And I mean, of course, Wiggins said yes. What else are you going to say? <laughs> if someone's offering you over 100 mil and they just say, hey, I need you to promise me that you're going to try hard. Of course, you're going to say yes. But the point remains, the fact that you have to ask someone that probably isn't a good sign. But hey, it's a T-Wolves. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, people bigging up Boucher, saying Boucher is the future. Uh, another, no, someone else saying Boucher, the next Siakam through 905 system. Another comment, was just, on the, was just at the game live. Cool to see Kawhi work, but no Lowry or Ibaka. Glad to see the young Boucher have a game too. I mean, it's because on all facets of where the team is right now, it's perfect. You have a great team right now. You have flexibility going forward. You have young guys in your pipeline. And you have the vets to get the job done right now. Like the way that this team has been put together, it's incredible. So yeah, executive of the year. I don't know about coach of the year for Nick Nurse. He probably should get some form of the conversation, but I feel like there's so many surprise teams. I don't know, but definitely Masai. I'm on the Masai train, executive of the year. Uh, someone, James, says, hindsight looking back, load management was key. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely easier to look back at it now. But while it was happening throughout the season, everyone seemed to be a little frustrated. But let's revisit this conversation come Saturday or Sunday, depending on whenever the playoffs start. And Kawhi Leonard is giving somebody the business business. Can't wait for that. Uh, Glow Girl Smile says, Kawhi's load management was genius. It also allowed Siakam and other players to step up like their motto, next man up. Uh, the Gasol trade made better passing, made three-point percentage uh, better. Shouts to my guy Jer Jerome, who says, congrats on getting through the season, 82 games, keep it going, my man. I'm going to try. I mean, we didn't do every single game this year. I think I took a couple games during the Christmas break, like over the Christmas holidays. Then, as mentioned, I was sick this week. Um, but yeah, it's been great. And I got to really shout out to you guys as well for being along this ride with me because it's a lot of fun. And I'll be honest, like 
I didn't know if this was something that would work, but I'm glad that it was something that I tried to do because it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of contacts that I made through people who follow the show. And now we go back and forth during the games or just through the, the YouTube chat or the YouTube comment section. And I really enjoy that building that community of basketball fans, you know, that we could just go back and forth and shoot the shit. Because again, there's things that I'm going to see that you might not see. There's things that I consume in terms of like, different podcasts or read different articles or whatever and you guys the same thing and that's really cool to me that's been a lot of fun and you know the times when i'm here with whether it's mike that's been a lot of fun q ola all my boys being able to shoot the shit with them about the raps that's been a lot of fun and of course the playoffs is when it's going to become even more fun because the stakes are so much higher and this is the best season in raptors history i can't even I can't even imagine how fun the playoffs are going to be. Um, let's see, more comments. Danny Green is a great 3 and D player. I feel confident when he shoots a 3. Totally agree with that. Um, Len says, the Sixers have the most talent in the East, but to me, the strengths of the starters are not uh, synergistic. Okay. Um, that's an interesting comment. Yeah, I think... Player for player, yeah, if you match up the players, that starting lineup is incredible, right? You're talking Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and J.J. Redick. It's a pretty good starting lineup. But at the same time, Jimmy Butler needs a ball. Ben Simmons needs a ball. Joel Embiid needs a ball. Tobias still needs a ball. There's only one basketball. And when you watch, I'm going to use this example so much, but when you watch what Marcus All did to the starting lineup of the Toronto Raptors, it's not about the shots that he's taking. He understands his role. I got to set screens, free guys up, move the ball. And if you remember too, a lot of people talking about what Jonas Valanciunas has been doing in the numbers and in the paint and can he do this and can he do that. If you pay attention to what Nick Nurse's offense was, the offense was based to have the center at the top of the key conducting things Marcus Gasol is just perfectly suited for that it's crazy to watch it work and I look forward to seeing that but to, to back up Len's point I think seeing how the Raptors starting lineup works as opposed to you know the synergy between those five guys in comparison to the Sixers yeah that'll be fun to watch uh, K2 Saunders says if Gasol can be a threat to score down low we have a shot to beat Golden State in the finals. I feel like most of his shots are trailing threes. I agree with that. I think that what we're seeing now from Gasol, I feel like there's another gear. I feel like we're seeing some of the game, but the game that we haven't really seen is we haven't seen enough of the Raps just dumping the ball to him inside, which I know is opposite to what I just said. But there's going to be a time where either there's a matchup to exploit or the game just dictates Gasol getting busy in the paint and he has the ability to do that and when they are doing that because you're going to have different series where the matchups dictate what you're going to do on offense Kawhi's going to get busy regardless but there could be a situation where Siakam has a matchup that he can exploit or Kyle has a matchup that he can exploit or again that Gasol and Serge Ibaka tandem in the middle might exploit a matchup or be used a lot more to tire out a Joel Embiid. The Raptors are so versatile that they can hit you from so many different ways, and that's going to be the key. And I, I don't want to talk too much about Golden State because that's so far away, but it, this Raptors team isn't afraid to play Golden State. I feel like there's actually a lot of teams that are, aren't, aren't afraid to play Golden State this season, but I definitely don't think the Raptors are afraid at all, nor should they be. Again, vets, championship and playoff experience, they play defense, and they can play on the road. Let's go to more comments, though. Emma says, side note, Magic Johnson says he couldn't resign face-to-face <laughs> -to, -face to his boss, so instead resigns to the media, says the one thing he and Jeannie had was trust and loyalty. <laughs> We're at 40 minutes right now at this podcast, and I didn't mean for this to go that long because, of course, it was game 82. 
and the Raptors were playing against the Magic. But this Magic Johnson Lakers thing, what a gong show. Like, this is incredible. I've never seen anything this crazy before. And when you really think about what's going on, you have a team that added LeBron James and they weren't even able to say that they legitimately improved the following season. How do you not improve by adding LeBron James? I know a lot of blame is going to go on LeBron, and definitely he deserves a lot of the blame, just in terms of, well, I mean, depending on how much you count his injury, LeBron getting hurt as being part of the blame. But clearly the dynamic with him and the Young Bucks didn't really fit that well. I mean, there was added pressure there. The Anthony Davis trade talks, that didn't really work. But I will point out to one of my favorite people in the industry, one of my favorite shows, the Dan Lebitard Show, and when Magic Johnson took the job, Lebitard took a lot of heat because he was out here saying that Magic Johnson was not qualified for this job. He was questioning why did Magic Johnson get this job? He got this job because he's magic and he shows that smile and that's how he got the job. And he got roasted. There are a lot of people saying that Lebetard is being racist. There's a lot of people saying that he was just discriminating against magic. All these things. And now let's fast forward. And again, I just read Emma's comment. She's talking about magic couldn't resign face-to-face. So he just had an impromptu scrum that last I checked was for 40 minutes. He just gathered the media himself to announce that he was stepping down. What? Then, of course, in times like this, we turn to we turn to Woj, the man that knows all when it comes to the NBA and a segment that, you know, I'm just going to read Woj tweets. And you tell me if Mr. Lebertard was correct or not in terms of Magic not being qualified for this job. So, Woj says, Since taking over as president of the Lakers, Magic Johnson never fully committed to the job. Often he was traveling and away from the team. His office hours were limited. He didn't do a lot of scouting. Running an NBA team takes a tremendous commitment of time and energy. Woj tweet number two. Lakers coaching staff fully expected to be fired in hours after the final game of the season. They had believed they were gone for months. Now, Magic quits in public, saying he was too scared to tell Genie face-to-face. What an embarrassing episode for a historic franchise. Wow. Woj tweet number three. Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka visited with LeBron James and agent Rich Paul on Saturday. League sources tell ESPN. Johnson offered no indication. Again, Johnson offered no indication that he was on the brink of bailing on the Lakers, sources said. (laughs) What? Woj tweet number four. Luke Walton has two years left on his contract, but only next season is guaranteed per source. Lakers hold the option on the 2020-21 season. Johnson planned to fire him, but stumbled into his own resignation on the way. Somehow, Walton survived Magic Johnson. He didn't see that coming. What a gong show are the Los Angeles Lakers. How did LeBron James go from being in the NBA Finals every single season for what, the past, what was it, eight years? Do I have that right? Four years straight with the Heat. In four years with the Clips, or sorry, with the Cavs, sorry. Do I have that correct? Eight straight years in the NBA Finals for LeBron to now being a complete and utter laughingstock, not being in the playoffs, having one of the great Hall of Famers who, I mean, to call him a figurehead, I don't want to make that sound disrespectful, but magic's magic, right? To have him stumble out like this and... I can't, I want to, I wish I could remember who it was, but there's someone alluded to the fact that they thought Magic was going to step down or something was going to happen with Magic weeks ago. And I can't remember who it was, but it was around the time that if you remember a couple weeks back, Stephen A. Smith came out on first take 
And it was when all these rumors started popping up about Jason Kidd potentially being the next coach of the Lakers. Stephen A. Smith went on the air that day, and Stephen A. Smith is a friend of Magic Johnson. So it's safe to assume that maybe this came from Magic, but Stephen A. Smith came out and he emphatically denied those reports, saying that Jason Kidd was not in talks, he was not in the plans for the Lakers to take over the job. Fast forward a couple hours later, and Rachel Nichols' show, The Jump, magically, who was a guest that day on The Jump? Well, Jason Kidd. Why is that kind of problematic? Not problematic, but interesting, I'll say. Because Rachel Nichols is known to have a very interesting relationship with LeBron James, and also with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. All I'm saying is, it was very fishy to have Jason Kidd not only on the show, but to blatantly ask him if he was interested in coaching LeBron James while Luke Walton still has a job. That's crazy. But that's the thing that happened. To me, that seems like a huge sticking point. And if LeBron's going to demand that he decides who the new coach is, and Magic kind of is just there and, you know, Magic's complaining. He was talking about how in his 40-minute rant, he was talking about how he didn't want to, he wanted to be able to tweet freely about Russell Westbrook's 2020 game. He wanted to be able to tweet freely to Dwayne Wade. He wanted to be able to talk to Ben Simmons about helping him work out in the offseason. And those are things he couldn't do freely as Lakers president. What? I'm sitting back waiting to see what LeBron's next tweet is. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting to see. Side note, while this is all going on, Anthony Davis walked in tonight to what could be his last game. Obviously, he's not playing, but his shirt read, That's all, folks. <laughs> Yo, the NBA is the best. The NBA is the best. But again, thanks for bringing that up, Emma, because I did want to talk a little bit about magic and of course we'll talk about it a lot more as again we're gonna do a ball on blast podcast tomorrow with my guy andrew webster we'll break down the playoff matchups talk a lot about Dwayne wade's final game also do yourself a favor look for that Dwayne wade uh jersey budweiser thing that went around the internet today definitely worth your time it's four minutes long definitely worth it but we'll talk everything nba tomorrow with my guy andrew webster so don't to that as well this is about the raptors and you know great season for the Raptors. great time for the raptors great time to be a raptors fan as len said this has been a joyous end of the regular season for me the raps have home court in the finals and the lakers franchise is imploding <laughs> len that is pretty funny um let's say what else is going on here james says if Kawhi stays and we win a chip build a statue of Masai." um people are laughing at magic and the lakers this is pretty funny uh james says sheldon your podcast is my go-to post-game show to listen to glad you're feeling better brother thank you very much james really appreciate that totally appreciate all the feedback and i try to be like very open about the fact that good and bad if you disagree with me that's totally fine i'm here open to listening to whatever you guys have to say and we can go back and forth we can disagree There'll be people that'll tell you, hey, we had a lot of good conversations about Marcus Gasol, how Marcus Gasol fits with the Raptors, the hockey assists I get made fun of for being my favorite thing, the load management, people were against me talking about the load management all year and how I was okay with it. I'm okay with people disagreeing. This is about, this is an open space for us to talk, discuss, disagree, and then you know what? Tune in the next night and watch the Raptors do work. That's what I hope. That's what I hope you guys get from that. And thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Again, shouts to the people on Twitter, at Shell Alexander. We'll be here live after each and every playoff game. There could be some stuff coming up soon in terms of where we might be doing these shows from, some special initiatives we might have during the playoffs. So stay tuned to the, to the social media feeds for any info about that. But again, live on Twitter, at Shell Alexander. Also taking your comments and questions on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. 
And as always, huge shouts to the day ones, the day ones that were downloading the Ball on Blast podcast on the On Blast podcast network on SoundCloud. Huge shouts to you guys. Without you guys, we wouldn't get to this point. We wouldn't have snowballed to this point. Greatly appreciate it so much. Shout out to the people on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and of course, YouTube. Liking and subscribing and sharing and telling their friends. Totally appreciate it. I got to shout out a bunch of my friends too. All the people who have come on this podcast. There's a lot of people. Shouts to my guy Ola, Beals, Mikey, who's become the regular coming through. Um, Shouts to Q. Uh, my guy John Chidley Hill came on. My guy Dunlop came on for an episode. Uh, I had my Centennial crew of Molly, LT, Jerome came on for an episode. Huge shouts to all you guys for coming through. And, you know, I did this to have fun with my friends, to have my friends chirp me for when I say something dumb. <laughs> and it was really fun to do this project. And I, I talked about it a couple pods ago, right after the untimely death of Nipsey Hussle, but I really do mean this a lot. If you follow this podcast, and I'll talk about this more with Webby, because we recorded an episode of this podcast that never aired, because by accident, I deleted the <laughs> I deleted the podcast. But it was our year in review, where we did our album year in review, and my number one pick was Victory Lap. And a lot of the reason behind it is because of the motivation to do things, to strive for more, to believe in yourself, to motivate yourself, that you have what it takes, even though you might not believe it. That's real. That's why we're here, doing something that's fun, believing, creating, doing something for the people. Because there's so many numbers that float around in the industry I work in, ratings and tweets and all that crap. But at the end of the day, the people decide what's really hot and you as a creator just decide whatever that number is of people that rock with you if you're okay with that that's all that matters and for all you guys that have been tuning in all season guys and girls i didn't mean guys but you know to everyone that's been tuning in i really appreciate you if you liked something you shared it you watched it you've laughed at it you've made fun of it i appreciate it all because I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, tune in. Ball on Blast podcast NBA preview coming up soon. Check your feeds. Until next time, see ya.